Want to know why your interiors or images don't look like the ones you see on your favorite social media feeds? What if I said I could let you know and show you what's missing and how to transform your spaces with clarity and confidence? The truth is creating beautiful interiors is simple when you know the right strategies, but most people go about it the wrong way. This is why I created the Styling Masterclass. It's the only program that simplifies the art and science of styling, giving you the clarity and confidence to take your interiors to the next level and attract your dream customers or clients so you can make your creative dreams finally possible. This is for you if you're an interior designer or photographer, have an Airbnb, a homeware shop or e-commerce business, and you want your interiors to look like the ones you see in your favorite books, magazines or Instagram accounts. Come learn how to style using my signature method so you can elevate any interior and create compelling imagery, which is your most effective marketing tool if you're selling a product or service in the world of interiors. Any successful business owner knows that styling is your secret weapon to cut through the visual noise, stand out from the crowd and grow your business. Styling is something that you don't want to leave to chance. In today's world, images are everything. This is why leading interior designers and architects always use stylists to finesse their spaces for photography to make sure they've got incredible imagery that they can use for their socials and website. Come learn how to make styling not only an essential element, an easy way to create content for your socials and website, but learn how it can propel the growth of your creative business. If you're serious about creating beautiful interiors and a business you love without struggling in obscurity, this is the program for you. I'm going to share my process and give insights that you're not going to get anywhere else because I've been working as a professional interior stylist for the past 15 years. The Styling Masterclass will give you that clarity and confidence you need to take action and connect with your dream customer or client so you can make your creative dreams possible. Go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level to learn more and enroll now. Enrollments are open for only a short time. So please, if you're interested and you're ready to take your interiors to the next level, go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level. Every day, the choices we make create our imprint the mark we leave through our life and on the world. I'm Natalie Walton and this podcast is for you if you want to make better decisions in your daily life, from how you create and run your home to building a meaningful business and life that you love. If you're interested in living more intentionally and responsibly, come join me and leading creatives, entrepreneurs and experts every week. Together, let's create an imprint worth leaving. Are you about to design or decorate your home? I'd love to help you get it right and give you the confidence, guidance and support you need so you don't waste your precious time and money or worse, end up with a home that's not right and that you don't really love. Enrollments are now open in the Design and Decoration Masterclass, which starts soon. By the end of the course, you'll have a master plan for your home and all of the tips, tricks, tools and strategies you need to get it right. I'm sharing all of the lessons I've learned from designing and decorating homes over the past 20 years and I can't wait to help you create a home you love. For all the details, go to nataliewalton.com forward slash design and decorate. Okay, back to today's episode. 
Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode about managing your project for any kind of design work that you do on your home. This could be anything from a kitchen renovation or redesign to doing a bigger project such as a whole home or some other studio that you might have on your property. So today I thought it would be interesting to interview Daniel, my husband, Daniel Rolston, because we have worked on several projects over the years and he has got a lot of experience in project management and I thought we would sort of start this episode by really looking at should you project manage your reno? So, and the way to sort of get a better understanding of this is to really get in tune with what's involved with it. And is that the path that you want to go down or do you want to get a builder on board? Either way, I do think though, it's really good to have a bit of an understanding and knowledge of what's involved in the whole process so you can make an informed decision. So we are at our home in um, just on the outskirts of Byron Bay in the hinterland. We're in our office at the moment, so the sound might be a little bit different, but hopefully everything will be fine. So Daniel, welcome again to the podcast. Thank you. And we'll get straight into it. So basically, we've sort of done a bit of workshop on this episode. And the Daniel, actually, we kind of did a big brainstorm. And there's going to be a lot more content on this in the Design and Decoration Masterclass. But we wanted to give everyone a bit of an overview of some questions that you should consider and ask of yourself. So first of all, I thought I'd get Daniel to just give a bit of an overview of some of the projects that we have worked on over the years. So the very first, well, not long after we met, um, I had bought a little two bedroom apartment in Bondi in Sydney. And at about the same time, Daniel had bought a small two bedroom terrace in North Newtown. And so we renovated both of those um, homes within the space of how long would you say that was? It probably took us about six to nine months to do both of them. And we had tickets booked to go on holiday at the end of it. And uh, we, yeah, we started with the, I just remember so many different aspects of it. I remember waking up thinking that I knew how to do cornices in the ceiling and um, what did we do on those projects? So in the, the apartment in Bondi, we tore down a, a wall that was dividing one of the rooms um, and that had a beautiful brick archway, much like a pizza restaurant. So we pulled that out and we turned that into a regular wall um, and did lots of painting and decorating. And then my father-in-law, Bruce, uh, came to look at what we were doing and he looked at the kitchen and he said, you know, these cupboards need to come off. And he just pulled one. And before we knew it, he pulled every single cupboard off the wall. And this was our first project. And we were in a state of shock. And then he said, and your render's no good as well on the walls. And he just got a, a pen and he just rubbed the concrete render and the render just fell off like sand. So before we knew it, we then had no kitchen and no render on the walls. It was just bricks. And so it was really up to us with his supervision to then reinstall everything in that kitchen. So 
Um, I forgot all about that, actually. That's so funny. And we were living in that apartment at the time as well, weren't we? So yeah. we were living through that whole experience. So, yeah, as you said, we so we redid the kitchen. We sort of remodeled the bathroom slightly. Mm-hmm. It was an old Art Deco apartment. We redid the kitchen and bathroom and did um, a re- sort of mini renovation on the terrace in North Newtown. And then um, after that, we ha- you know, were living overseas for a number of years. And then when we came back, was that when we, we moved into, that's right, we moved into 232 and then mm. we bought 450, um, in, which was in Darlington. And um, we, um, yeah, we sort of, we went through extensive work in terms of like planning it and we were about to renovate, but we didn't, although we did divide the master bedroom. And so Daniel has done lots of physical work on many of our projects himself. And we've in the past just sort of engaged a, um, like painters, or we might've got got an electrician or a plumber here and there for, for various projects. For spe- yeah. Specific items. Yeah, yeah. But Daniel's done lots of the carpentry work on many of our projects, like building shelves and some of the studios at our, um, other, uh, property. We converted that into a workspace and, um, we sort of put, you redid, remodeled the kitchen in that other we, home. We redid the kitchen. We did the things in the bedroom new wall in the bedroom yeah uh building the imprint house shop within an old shed so that was refitting the inside of the old shed and um, that involved many practical aspects of um, a building project the drainage was dreadful when we first walked in there was water just pooling all over the floor Um, it was full of rats so we had to seal it against vermin Um, it was cold and wet so we had to insulate it and um and dehumidify it to keep everything dry and keep mold from getting on all the stock so yeah lots of learning as we as we went along yeah so there's been quite a variety of projects that we've worked on over the years so i thought it would just give a little bit of context about i guess our experience and um and with every project you learn new things and that has certainly been the case with our most recent project which has been renovating this uh it's about 50 square foot, isn't it? 50 square meters. Square meters, sorry. Yeah, 50 square meters. I don't know where I got the foot from. A 50 square meter studio in um, on our current property. So we, as I mentioned, we've broken this down into some different questions that you could ask yourself. And one is, do you have a clear vision for your project? And that is something that you should ask yourself before project managing something. And... Um, one of the th- you know things that we we really believe in and that we have done for this project and this has obviously been a big part of my job was to have a, a visual representation of the project so that everybody knows what kind of finishes colors textures and the look and feel of the project so this is creating the master plan for your project which is obviously what my course is about but whatever stage you're at or whatever project you're working on it's so important as a communication tool with all the various trades that you're going to be working on I think you'll be good to give an example of how um, it's really good and helpful to have clear references and guidelines when you're engaging with your trades. So do you want to maybe talk about how we've done that with the carpenter that we've worked on with this project? Sure. So one of the, I was really, really keen to get involved in this project in a very hands-on fashion. I like 
building things, I like making things, and I really couldn't wait to get started. But it became apparent that I just didn't have the time to um, manage all the children and the food and support uh, and do my work within Brent House. So it was really obvious that we, we were going to have to engage um, different people at every stage of it. So um, with the outside of the studio and all aspects of the studio, we really needed to get clear that we wanted a board and batten finish, which is something I felt really strongly about given my Finnish heritage. Um, and um, we needed to have and do our research on images and details that maybe you wouldn't think about to, um, to just walk past a building. So he had questions about how do you want to finish the windows? Do you want architraves around the outside of the windows? Do you want the window sill to come out a little bit? How far? How far do you want it inside? How do you want to marry the window sill on the inside uh, against the wall finish and the um, trim around the windows against the wall finish? So we just had a lot of a lot of images, um, a lot of really detailed images where we could zoom in and show him, and it was really essential that he could then look at that and then do his own thing and and you know he was skilled in the trade so he was able to to take that and run with it yeah and this is something that i talk about in the course which is that you don't just want to have an overall vision for your project but then you need to get really nitty-gritty with each particular area and project that you're working on so if it is the windows you need to have a clear idea of every little detail in terms of, you know, how you want it to sit in relation to the wall, you know, how you want it to be in relation to the windowsill, um, you know, the type of hardware, everything that you can conceive of, you know, how it's going to finish with, with other areas. And you, the more references and more specific that you have with that detailing, then the better. So, um, it's really important to have a very clear vision of your project and that helps with with managing it too. And um, one of the things you spoke about, Daniel, was the importance of having everything ready for your contractors so that they can really get on with the job. Mm. So when they, when they arrive, you already need to be across um, what's happening for the day. So you need to have um, your plans for the day, you need to have your fittings purchased, you need to have your vision ready, um, and you need to really give them everything that they that they need to excel at their job and also get rid of things that are going to cause impediments to them doing their job properly. So can you give an example of what you mean by that? I think the, the simplest thing is um, yeah, clear references and direction and then cleaning up rubbish because if it's one thing we've learned uh, is that individual uh, contractors don't seem to want to look after the rubbish of the whole site. And, um, and so it just takes a little bit of time to go in and clean up and make sure, okay, we've got carpentry today. Let's make sure there's nothing stacked against the cupboards. Let's make sure there's a clear access way for him. He's got all his materials are obvious and there's not other things on top of it. Yeah. And this is obviously something very much when you approach it, 
project managing the build as opposed to having a you've hired a builder who would be managing this and obviously that's you know one of the things that you're paying for is for that builder to to look after the site and um, you know they would probably have an apprentice who who was doing all of that but obviously you can save yourself money so it comes down to you know what what your what's your priorities with the project so the second thing that um, we were talking about is to really have a clear understanding of the process. So do you know the process that is involved with taking on a renovation or a big design project? And that is something that you really have to have a clear understanding if you want to project manage it. So you were suggesting, Daniel, that it's really good to know the order of the trades. What would you say about that in terms of how that all works? Uh, well, I undertook a, um, an owner-builder course for the purpose of just understanding the whole, whilst I've done it many times, just getting a, a third person's view on the whole process from start to finish and when everyone visits. So a lot of the trades um, will have to come back uh, twice, so maybe even more. So as an example, um, before you've got your... Um, final cladding on your walls you've got to have your electricians come in and they drill holes in all the studs and they run in all the cables and you get your plumbers come in and they rough in all the pipes so they drill holes through the studs where they need the pipes to go and then they um, they, they finish that to a point and then um, you have your air conditioning come in and they rough in and put all their pipes in so everybody's got to have their equipment in the walls before the final cladding comes on um, and then when the cladding then goes on the inside whether it's plasterboard or um, hand rendered plaster or, or whatever it is they then come back and they finish so the electrician will put on the light fittings the plumber will put on the taps and the spouts and the drainage um, the carpenter will put on the door handles or cupboard handles or, or whatnot and one of the things that can be um, easy to kind of either overlook or sort of think you'll deal with it later is you might think, well, you know, I want to have a pendant over the dining table. But if you don't know exactly what type of light that you want and the exact position of all your PowerPoints and light switches, then you can't really, it becomes an expensive and timely exercise to do that down the track. So you really want to have a very clear understanding of exactly what you're going to specify for each space and know where everything is going to go. So basically to have made your final selections before your electricians come in in the first place, because even just the way that they're attached to the wall can affect the way that they are going to you know, to sort of create the wiring and how that's going to connect then to the light switch. So it's something that I would highly recommend is to have made all of your final selections for your lighting before you even engage the electrician to come through for the first time. Um, well, even things like your plumbing. So you need to have chosen your bath for the bathroom, for example, you need to have chosen your bath and your tiles way back at the start because um, when it's just a concrete slab or it, they're just laying out the groundwork, that's when they put in the piping for the bath drainage and the location of where your vanity is and um, your, your spouts and taps for your bath and shower. And if you know exactly where those things are, you can tell the plumbers that's, that's where we need it. And then 
you know that your tiles are going to fit in with those pipes coming up through the through the floor um, and you know that your your bath is going to fit nicely you know with a nice space between the bath on you know the left the right and behind the bath so you need to have all that considered right back at the start uh, even when it looks like a you know half finished building site and another thing that you raise when you're project managing it yourself is to really have a clear sense of where a trades job ends and the next one starts and, and how they meet. So that obviously, like you said, you might have somebody coming to put the wall cladding on, but then if you're having somebody doing the flooring, then where does one one job end, another one meet? Or when, for instance, you have a bench top put into a kitchen. Mm, that's another good one because we had a um, a, a hand-rendered plaster finish on the walls in the kitchen and we had a limestone sink in the kitchen that's handmade and a marble bench top to go between the, the sink and the walls and we learnt from the bench top installer that their normal way they install marble bench tops is with silicon and so the, joint, the, the place where the trades join is at the edge of the um, of the bench top, where the bench top meets the wall. Now, silicon just wasn't going to look right in our project. We've got a, a, a product that looks like beautiful plaster on the walls, marble stone on the bench top, stone in the sink. So we needed grout all around. So we just had to have that discussion with them up front and just be aware where do the trades meet and how we're going to finish and join between those two trades. And the third thing that we felt that was a key question that you really need to ask yourself if you're going to manage the project yourself is, do you have the time? Because there is so much involved in project managing any kind of design work or renovation. And the first thing is you need to be on site every day at say 7 a.m. when your trade starts. And if you have the flexibility with your time, We've had this happen several times with us where for various reasons, trades haven't been able to start when they said they were going to start, um, sometimes due to COVID, sometimes due to other projects um, spilling over. and um, But other times they're going to be there right on the dot at seven and, and they want to know, okay, what am I doing today? So you need to be able to brief them quite clearly at that time. What would you say about you know the, the time constraints that go into project managing something? I think you need to allocate some time for it, definitely. Um, you certainly, if they're coming at seven, you need to be ready at 6.30 and know your plans and walk around the site, make sure everything's ready for them so that you can walk through what's on for that day. And also by being there, when they get there, they come to expect that you're going to be there. So they turn up on time as well. They turn up on time and, and work harder because you're there. And, and, you know, in just a very practical level, I mean, if you do have family or children, then it might very well be that you have to have already made breakfasts or, you know, obviously got yourself dressed, maybe be caffeinated if you, you, you need a morning coffee or whatever it is. So all those things you need to have done so that you've got a very clear mind when it comes to to meeting your trades and and really have like your paperwork, whether it's like the plans that you've got or whatever um, products that they need for that particular day. If you're supplying the paint, for instance, have you got it all there? Have you got all the things that they need? And so that they can basically, once they get there, they can start off straight away. So um, 
one of the other things that um, I thought it could be interesting to talk about in terms of the time as well is at the end of the day and sort of reviewing the work and the importance mm. of being there, not just at the start of the project, but potentially during the day when when problems can arise. Mm. It, it is important just to, to not be afraid to just walk through the site and just check in with people. Is, is everything okay? Is there anything you need? That's just such a good question to ask. And most of the time they say, no, no, it's fine. But it'll also get them uh, to tell you if they've got a problem with something or if they're uncertain about how you want to finish something, it's a really good uh, chance to be able to fix something early before they go ahead and do it in a way that you don't like, that you then have to get them to redo it. Yeah. And the fourth question that we um, think that it's really worthwhile asking yourself is, can you find and manage a good team? Because this is definitely one of those things that an experienced builder, and bear in mind that not all builders are experienced and there are definitely different levels of um, builders in terms of the quality of the work that they produce. But can you yourself find and manage a good team to work on your project? Do you know how to find them? Certainly with us, um, the people that we have found have been referrals through our local community, and that's always a great place to start but we would also suggest that you try and see examples of their previous work so that you can you know see the standard of it and talk to the the previous owners as well and what their experience has been and um you know do these people have similar values and a similar aesthetic do they really understand what you're trying to achieve and have they worked on similar projects to this um as well would you like to say something about that daniel yeah, I just I, I think we've been very lucky with the guys we've had mostly um, because they they do have a very similar aesthetic and um, you know we can just show them a couple of images and they say yes I've worked on something just like that and they'll they'll show me on their phone this is the project that I did a couple of weeks ago and it's it's very very close to what we what we want aesthetically so. I think that's that's so important. Um, I, I think to get somebody on your team who hasn't done the type of projects that you're wanting to work on and trying to get them to to change, I think that's quite difficult because it just it just saves so much time when they just get it. You just show them one or two images. Yes, I know what you want. That's it. Yeah, and also they become great collaborators as well. They can give you input or insights that you might not have thought of yourself as well because they've seen how it works um, in other situations. I'm just thinking about our bench seat and with our carpenter mm. sort of suggesting the kickback with the feet mm. and because that is something that he'd come, come across previously. Mm. And so they kind of give you this feedback and you know we hadn't created a bench seat previously. So it's really great when you are working with people who can become good collaborators. Who can take your aesthetic and then offer their own suggestions, which are actually adding a lot of value to the project. And the other thing I wanted you to, in particular to talk about is um, about keeping the mood positive on site and asking yourself if you want to project man something, are you good with people? And 
Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Because to be really honest, I'm probably more of an introvert as a person. I um, I like my own space. I kind of live in my head a lot. And it's just, I really enjoy the design process. And I kind of go deep down that sort of, that rabbit hole of looking at design and then collating my ideas and bringing it to life in terms of what I want it to look like. But Daniel is definitely the people person in terms of he can talk easily. It's easy for him to talk to anybody, any kind of trade um, from any walk of life. And Daniel, it's kind of a running joke in our family that he is, is always good at having a chat with anyone. And I think that that's such an asset to have if you want to project manage a particular build. And, um, and do you want to talk about how important it is to kind of keep the, the mood high, you know, and the sort of the vibe positive on mm, site? Super important. Smile. That's that's my advice. Um, when in my previous business, when we were manufacturing machinery, we were dealing with one project manager and he signed his emails with a little line that said, it's nice to be important, but it's important to be nice. And he was a very tough project manager to work work for, but he was just so nice about being picky. And And I think, you know, conflict is going to come up. Things are going to come up in the site. Not everything goes to plan. You know, people make mistakes. We make mistakes. It's important just to be able to just have a sense of humor and, you know, be able to crack a joke and and really approach it from a collaborative point of view that, okay, there's no blame here. This is the situation we're in. How do we both get together on the same side and solve this problem as quickly and easily as possible? Yeah, and that kind of brings us into the fifth point, which is, are you good at solving problems? Because as Daniel has just mentioned, things are going to go wrong for various reasons. There's always going to be an element of, of human error or something's going to be overlooked, both, you know, on both sides of the equation. It just, it will happen. Things won't turn up. Things might be, you know, get not be available or whatever it is and you have to rethink the situation or there's maybe um, a miscommunication about what the expectations of a particular finish or material or look that you're trying to create. So things will happen when you're outsourcing those particular things. I think that's something that in the past, Daniel and I have worked a lot together on projects. And so basically Daniel has sort of been my trade in many regards. And so we've just kind of been workshopping it on the spot. But when you're getting people in to do things for you, you have to have be so clear and you cannot assume anything when it comes to the work and the finish that you want to have and the look that you want to have. Because in general, trades will do things the way that they've kind of been taught and the way that they've always been done. So if you have something that's perhaps a little bit different to that, then um, you just cannot assume that they will go for that. And it's, you know, it's really important to be um, collaborative and, you know, really be good at solving problems. Mm. Would you like to add anything to that, Daniel, how mm. to go about solving problems when they come up on site? I think being collaborative is is one of the best things and just, you know, People make mistakes, so there's, there's no need for blame. It's just, this has happened, how are we going to fix it? And I think that's, that's a, and, and it is incredibly frustrating. And you walk away from the situation and go, ah, but that doesn't fix it. 
So <laughs> I think another thing to um, realize as well is that, that, you know, things are going to go wrong. So it's a matter of trying to foresee where they're going to go wrong every day and just give it that mental space and try and catch problems as early as possible. Because if you can catch a problem earlier, it will be so much cheaper to fix in the long run. There's um, some people did research on how expensive it is to fix a problem over the time of a time frame of a project, and it goes up exponentially in cost the longer that you leave it in a project. And so what would be, so there, I guess there are five main questions that we would suggest that you ask yourself if you're considering um, doing project managing some kind of design project or renovation. So one is, do you have a clear vision? Two is, do you know the process? Three, do you have the time? Don't underestimate that one. There's so much time that goes into it. Four, can you find and manage a good team? And five, are you good at solving problems? What, you know, kind of looking back on this project, are there any other things that you would sort of say to people to think about or consider if they're about to take on the project management or when should they sort of decide, actually, I'm better off putting this, giving this to a builder and outsourcing it to somebody else? Look, I think it comes down to how much you enjoy it. Um, if you like the challenge and you think you're going to enjoy doing the project management of the project and, and learning, I, I think it's great. And I've really enjoyed doing it and I've learned so much. And it's, it's really taken us uh, from doing a lot of things ourselves with our own hands to now stepping back a little bit and letting our team do it. And, you know, Natalie and I, have we've spoken about it, um, you know, doing other projects too, where we've got our team around us. And I think it really amplifies your creative vision and you can achieve so much more with the, with the right team. If on the other hand, um, you don't enjoy these kind of things, um, there are a lot of benefits to having uh, another person do the project management. Um, they will do things like um, they will know the quality of each trade and when, they, when they're finished and they'll be able to pick up on defects in the quality of the workmanship of the tradespeople, which is, which is a, a big thing because you, when somebody's standing there saying, I'm finished, you need to then be able to look at their work and say, well, you know, yes, you are or, or, or no, you're not. You need to go and do this little bit extra, please. Um, so that's a very big thing. Um, yeah, if you enjoy the scheduling of everything and calling people and, you know, getting all the materials in, buying all the materials, um, learning about the terminology. There's a whole whole dictionary of building terminology that um, that's really helpful to know to be able to communicate with the, with the guys as well. So you need to know what, you know, you need to know your lintel from your windowsill um, and, you know, what's a door jam? How, how big is it? What's a top cord and bottom cord? And, you know, there are just so many different <laughs> terminologies to, um, to get across. But it, it comes down to, I guess, my underlying theory of life, which is what's going to create more happiness for everybody. Yeah, and, and I do think part of that also comes in with the time as well because 
some of you might be working full time and you sort of have to think, well, is this realistic to do this? Can you take time off work? It's It definitely is a full-time job depending on the scope of your work. Um, but to really go into it with your eyes wide open and to know what is expected of you and what is involved with the role. And, and it can be an incredibly satisfying thing, but I think, you know, I always get this one mixed up, but for forewarned is forearmed, something like that. Mm. <laughs> forewarned is forearmed, I think. But basically, yeah, if you the more knowledge that you have going into it, then the more prepared you are so that you can manage it better, which ultimately leads to more cost savings and saves you a lot of time as well. Because when you start to have to, you know, fix things or try and resolve issues at the end, or it starts to bite into other parts of the project. And that's really when it starts to bite into your budget. So, And the other thing too is that if you're doing it yourself, you're actually there on site so you can make any decisions quickly. And that really speeds up the, the project significantly. Whereas if you've got somebody else doing the project managing, then they will tell you once a day or once every couple of days what's going on and what the questions are. And if if you don't have the answers then for them, then that's another delay in the project. So by being there on site solving the problems, I think it, it adds a lot of speed to it. And you can also introduce, you know, smaller creative elements if you need to as well. Well, thank you so much, Daniel, for sharing your experience and insight into to this project. Um, it's certainly we we really enjoy working together, and um, and I have um, been drilling Daniel for all of his insights, which, as I said, they're all in the Design and Decoration Masterclass. I've created a special module on you know the insights to project managing any kind of design project that you have. But we just thought that it would be uh, helpful and hopefully informative for any of you just to give you a taste of what's involved. So as I said, if you would like to learn more about creating a master plan for your home and have a ready to use framework, you can come and join me in the design and decoration masterclass. Uh, all you have to do is enroll via nataliewalton.com forward slash design and decorate. And I would really love to help you with the design of your home or renovation project. Thanks everyone. All of the links and info you need to access for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast and the people of the Bunjalong Nation where it was recorded. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint. <laughs>